0: Welcome to the Empowered Flow podcast. I'm Tris Alexandra, holistic clinical nutritionist, women's health and menstrual cycle educator, and mama. Join me and experts in nutrition, fitness, mindset, and holistic healing as we explore conversations to open your mind to a different way of thinking on all things women's health, hormones, periods, cyclical living, and fertility. Whether you're seeking knowledge, inspiration, or a supportive community, you've found your tribe. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of Empowered Flow Podcast. I am sitting here today with Mira Claudia, who I met, I think it was last year, at a networking event. And then I connected with her through her Her Tribe women's community and women's circles, which Mira founded as well as Origin Women Network, which is a women in business um, networking that Mira has co-founded. And then more recently, I have worked with you one-on-one in personal and business coaching. So I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you. I want actually, Mira, I want you to share with us, like you do your intro, you share with us who you are, what you do, what brought you to do this incredible work mm-hmm. that you do.
1: Mm, thank you. I I, I'm just beaming at the moment. If people were watching, you see, you know, I'm I'm smiling just hearing our journey. And this is this is like that's one of the gifts that I get to be a part of is witnessing, you know, one experience with a woman. You know, you coming and sitting in a in one of our her tribe circles, and then our relationship evolving over time. And and you know, as a mindset and confidence coach, I guess at the core, you know, my I'm here to help women rediscover who they are, rediscover their strengths, their values, and be reminded of their worth, you know, their Mm. worth in the world. And one of the biggest blessings and gifts is when I, you know, and once women come into my world, as you have, you tend to stay and I get to see that evolve. You know, and I had you speak at one of our events last year and you were amazing um, and then seeing you immerse yourself in in part of our community and go on to do collaborations and other podcasts with other members is such a joy. Uh, so, and a part of it is is ultimately helping a woman really understand herself. And this is really born out of where I began a number of years ago, well before I had my own business. Um, I really had lost a sense of self and there's a pivotal moment where I really came face-to-face with that at the end of my marriage and, um, you know, I realised I wasn't the only one. But in order to help myself out of a very, very dark phase of life, the pathway that I took was this devotedness to, one, looking after me because I'd looked after everybody else ahead of myself for a very long time. And didn't really realize the impact of that until it was too late. And two, really understanding who I was, what I what I wanted now, you know, and who I was outside of the roles that I had played. You know, and, and you know, we all, I say played, but we all do, you know, we all have these different roles that we're playing. And and particularly women, particularly women, you know, we we're wearing the mother hat often. we're wearing the the role of whatever our career is and we have this archetype in the in the career or business, the partner, the wife, you know the daughter or the sister. And in all of that, I particularly see this that we have a sense of to lose a bit of actually what's important to us because we are often in service to other people through those roles it mm. really is my work is you know working with women in business but also working with women privately to move through overwhelm self-doubt which is what they're experiencing right now with regards to what they're trying to achieve uh but the ultimate outcome is this greater sense of confidence conviction trust in themselves and who they are and the life they want to live and I have you know, my phrase, life by design, which I truly believe we can all create a life by our design that is way more fulfilling um, and filled with more joy, peace and love, you know?
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I I love the piece that you mentioned about helping women rediscover themselves and who they are, because I really feel like, um, you know, even when I met you and I feel like people come into your life at the right moment. Um, but yeah, you definitely came into my life when I was sort of in that later postpartum stage where it's definitely that kind of another phase of life where you lose yourself a little bit in what Mm -hmm. you're doing as a mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I was definitely on that path of like rediscovering myself and you've definitely helped me through that. Um, yeah, so I, I absolutely love that about the work that you do.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's, you know, I like to see myself as a guide and, um, you know, and, there's this image of, you know, women, women's lights literally being turned on. And so, you know, like I'm here as a guide and, you know, all the women that I get to work with and, you know, their light just gets a bit brighter or starts to turn on and that it's that inner light. And then they have a ripple effect of impact because, you know, Tris, you go out and your light being brighter, stepping in what you're here to do and the, valuable life experience and information and professional experience that you share is then you go and turn on and help other women, you know, brighten up their lights. So, you know, it is this ripple effect of my my work that may start with me or maybe I'll be a part of a woman's journey that, you know, we that that excites me.
0: Mm, yeah, I love that. Beautiful. Um and Tell me, uh, like something that I'm really interested in is a big thing that I see with my clients, um, particularly when they're wanting to make changes to their health and their nutrition, is just this piece around any beliefs that they're holding and maybe maybe it's beliefs to do with health but maybe it's other sort of, yeah beliefs that they are holding and where they come from it could be you know it could be a number of things but these beliefs that they're holding or emotions that they're holding and i'm just seeing this link between our mindset our, or our emotions and our body and our health mm. can you talk us through that like what what you you yeah i guess that link between mindset and our body
1: yeah absolutely so i might start with my own personal experience so mm-hmm. i um i didn't know that the sort of i talk about the pre-d so pre-divorce uh, i i was quite an anxious person and i i definitely experienced overwhelm and anxiety and i had no idea and even more so i had no idea the link of that to my um ability to be well. And you know well is such a broad term. But I used to work in the fitness industry. I felt like I ate all the right things. Um yet I had constant digestion challenges. And I just figured that that was just my my bow to draw, you know, that that was just part of me. And really, when I look back those digestion, the, the digestive challenges, were actually from when I was a child. So, you know, stress or our emotions, um, I now know, and I'm sure you you see this as well, have a significant impact to our ability to be well and and really to gain all the nutrients to process our food um, well so that we ultimately have the energy that we we want to have or need to have. And And so, you know, that might not be new to people. Yep, stress impacts connecting to gut health, et cetera. But the piece that is I want to help people unlock today is actually what's behind our emotions. And so when I talk to women about overwhelm, what I help them see is that overwhelm is the behaviour that they're aware of, that they are in response to a situation outside of them. Mm-hmm. so there's a situation that's going on and they see or are aware of their behavior and an overwhelm as an example can be fight flight or freeze behaviors so overwhelm can look like procrastination overwhelm could look like quote-unquote self-sabotage because i don't often use that term or a resistance to want to do the thing uh it can look like completely freezing and not taking any action it can be you know delaying and so if we've used an example of someone wanting to you know make better food choices if there's some kind of conditioning something happening in the background at the mindset level or emotional level uh that could actually be or is likely what's driving the behavior Mm. so what we are Well, aware of, I'll just recap is the situation and how we're responding. So, I want to, you know, I want to achieve this with my well being, my health, my weight, but this is what I'm doing. And we get really frustrated (laughs) with the fact that we're trying to change (laughs) our behavior, but for some reason it's not happening.
0: Mm, Yeah. And the
1: missing, crucial missing bit of information is the emotion that's actually behind the behavior, that's directing the behavior. And what's driving the emotion is a thought,
0: Mm. an, an
1: unconscious thought or belief that we have developed at some point when we were young about the relationship to this situation. And we, you know, what that looks like for each individual is going to be really unique. And... When we, or what the pathway is, is actually when we are noticing this behavior that we're trying to change is let's actually look at, well, what am I feeling about this? And maybe what we're feeling about this is, you know, an emotion of fear or sadness or something, which will sound strange, but that is sitting there. That's not um, being processed in our body, that we're not acknowledging ourselves. Mm-hmm. and then that can be leading to the behaviour. So let's look at an example. Um, emotional eating is really a common one that I would say most women can relate to. I once, sure. to yeah. <laughs> like, have been an emotional eater. and Me too. <laughs> still do it to this day and I'm more aware of it, right? But my emotional eating was developed as a young child. I grew up in a very traumatic environment. And, and, and one of the strategies that my mom used was food, mm. you know, when things were hard, there was like, let's have something nice because that will make us feel better. Yeah. So yeah. I have spent time trying to lose weight in the past, trying to, you know, eat better. And yet the behavior that I was aware of was this example of maybe self-sabotage where I'd go well for a little while, but then I would not, you know, i am you know, eat a whole heap of things that I I determined I shouldn't eat, right? Because we also yes. have about what we should and shouldn't yes, eat. Yes, for and, sure. And I love that you approach that from a different perspective. So if I'm just seeing my behavior as self-sabotage, I'm seeing myself as the problem and I'm missing the information of something. I'm having a thought about a situation out here that's leading me to emotionally eat, because there's a, an emotion that I'm not wanting to feel.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's so, such a big thing for women to, I think, right. understand. <laughs> yeah. And it
1: might take a little while to land and mm. you might want to go back and, you know, do the rewind on this. But if we're trying to address our behaviour by just trying to change the behaviour, we are going to keep finding ourselves in this loop of I'm wrong, I can't get it right you know, there's something wrong with me and really, no, there's just a piece of information that you do not have awareness on and that is actually what needs to be supported. So in my example of emotional eating, the situation is there, something's triggered me to I have a thought, you know, the thought could be anything but that thought is leading me to feel a heavy emotion And then that heavy emotion is actually what I'm responding to and I'm wanting to avoid feeling and so I go to the food. Yeah. So the key is what is the feeling I'm actually trying to avoid here? And and knowing the practices, um, understanding practices and, and methods to help us move that emotion through the body, to actually acknowledge Whatever it is, and it might be sadness, it might be frustration, it might be anger. But the key in real, you know, change is working with ourselves at that level. And you know, I'm I'm going to say this is not straightforward, you know. And I work with clients to really understand what is the emotion, what are the thoughts triggering this, and we, you know, to to help them with the change. But I guess. This is the link that I see with why it's hard for women to maybe achieve the well-being they want to achieve through, you know, exercise and diet and nutrition Mm -hmm. because of there's this missing piece of information and data that they're not necessarily aware of that's driving the behavior.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's huge. And actually I I have my own um, I guess, experience with that as well. I I mean, look, I've definitely done the emotional eating thing, but in the past I had my issue around food and nutrition was to do with control. So for mm-hmm. me, it was a feeling of loss of control in some parts of my life. And I then used food and nutrition to gain that control back. Um, I actually went through divorce as well in my twenties and it, that, yeah, that, that control piece around food, like really took hold post that divorce because I didn't want to deal with those emotions. I didn't want to deal with the, the trauma and the, the challenge. And, you know, that was such a um, challenging, dark place in my life. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I lost so much control. Like my world came crumbling down around me and I'd lost so much control of everything else that I, yeah, nutrition for me became, that That thing that I could control, exercise was that thing that I could control. And it Ooh. wasn't until I, yeah, it's huge, right? Like it's huge mm-hmm. and it's complex, And it wasn't until I worked on that piece and worked through those emotions that I was able to make like let go of that that yeah. control around food, really. Yeah. yeah.
1: that's such a relevant example to bring up because um, and I and I have my a version of that which I'll share as well. Um, So there is a a piece in that. So you talked about there was a need for control and you're tapping into something there which is to do with the key needs that we have as human beings. So there are six core human needs. One of them is certainty and one of them is uncertainty. And those needs, when we track under overwhelm or stress, um, you know, beyond the behaviour, when we're tracking the emotion and the thought, Our six human needs become really relevant information there. So if we have a high state for certainty, which at that time life felt uncertain for you, Mm, (laughs) your your behavioural approach was where can I create certainty? What can I grip onto and have control on? in order to feel okay. And I imagine the uncertainty could have been a feeling of not safe, a feeling, mm. of, an emotion of fear about where I was in the world, what was going on post-divorce. And I I had an experience of this in 2020. In 2020, we're in the midst of lockdowns in Melbourne. Mm. Women, people will remember. So what did I do? <laughs> I had kids at home. I Things were chaotic, right? Yeah. So I went into my anxiety pattern and I didn't know this at a time, but I've now tracked it. So as I said at the start, one of my patterns was anxiety, which is a response to things, my life feeling out of control. So my approach was definitely seeking control. So Tris, I put myself through the most robust, intense 12-week program with a vegan bodybuilder. So (laughs) It was like strict diet, like crazy, (laughs) eating the same thing every day for a week. And then you swapped to a new eating program. And so there was strict on nutrition. You're going to laugh when I talk about the, the, the exercise. It was a weights session every day last two hours of cardio (laughs) and I'm a single mum with (laughs) children at home and I put myself through this program Wow! Wow. and it was like the additional stress so I was Mm. layering on my my need for control which was driven by emotion that I wasn't aware of and I wasn't sitting with which was anxiety fear you know uh, and a whole other thing, load of things. But my unconscious approach was to control my life even more, control my environment of what I could control, the diet and the exercise. And what I did was I caused even more stress. Mm. I was already at a peak level of stress and I added even more stress. And I literally have spent a couple of years decompressing from the added level of stress that I created in my body. And um, so, you know, we can think we're doing the right thing. I genuinely thought that I was doing the right thing, be active, be healthy through this time. And I wasn't wrong, Mm. but my extreme approach was not what my body needed. And what I actually needed was to really understand the emotions that I was experiencing, the thoughts that were contributing to that and really meet myself there. And yes, have some exercise and some good food choices, but not to that extreme.
0: Yeah, for sure. And do you know what? I actually, I totally get it because post-divorce I ended up in natural bodybuilding competitions and was (laughs) doing like bikini and fitness comps for two years. So. Oh, gosh. Um, similar. Yeah. So um, if listeners, if, then, if you can relate to that, let us know. Yeah, yeah. And then I dived into studying nutrition. So yeah. <laughs> I just went from one thing to the other. And yeah. um, in all of that time, I, yeah, it was really about pushing away the the emotions that I didn't want to have to deal with um, at the time. Can you talk to, like, the importance about, acknowledging and processing processing emotions especially because we hold emotions in our body the body keeps the score and the longer we hold on to them and don't process them um that can then have impacts on our health both in the short and long term
1: yeah yeah absolutely well i'll put it really simply right let's think about the last time and listeners you know come along on this journey with us let's think about the last time that you felt triggered that you felt Uneasy. Maybe there was a, an argument with your partner, something happened with a child or a parent, and you felt an emotion rise in the body. And maybe, like most of us, you didn't speak up about it, or maybe you felt like you couldn't. Maybe you it were just too busy. You had to just keep going with whatever you were doing, or you felt like if you were going to speak up about it or really show that emotion, that it wasn't going to be met you know, it was going to be rejected or avoided. In that moment, that emotion, you felt it, it's risen up in your body and yet it hasn't had an opportunity to be acknowledged or moved. And so it's stuck. And so where that then goes is that can manifest in terms of pain and literal inflammation in Mm -hmm. the body. And so maybe right now, as you're sitting there listening, maybe you think about scanning your body and feel like if there's any areas of the body that feel tense or dense or sore and a really common place for emotion is in the throat for us as women. So when I work with clients, I would say 70% of my clients, when we're doing emotions work, they start to get choked up they start to talk about you know what's going on and they start to choke up because they've mm. been as children they've been through multiple experiences where they were told no 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 settle down i don't want to hear i don't want to hear it don't get angry i um, don't be emotional or when they've tried to talk about something you know it's been dismissed so we have these patterns and our body is really good at knowing these patterns. And so it defaults into those patterns. So if we weren't acknowledged in our emotion as children, which the reality is a majority of us wasn't, and it's not, you know, because necessarily we had had bad parents, you know, some of us had parents that just weren't able to cope very well. You know, I had a single mom that she had, you know, it was just her. Mm. And I know as a single mom, there's times where I do not have anything else to give or to meet my kids with. Yeah. So mm. But because of those experiences, then as adults, we are so well trained to not go there, not feel it. Yeah. Apologize. Like we go to be emotional and we go, oh no, no, I'm okay. You know, I apologize. And we we push it back down. Mm. So it, it there's this common phrase, everybody would know it, you know, and en- emotion, energy, and motion, emotion is designed to move through us. And There's this other really beautiful phrase I learned in the last couple of months, which is bliss is a feeling fully felt.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: Is a feeling fully felt.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: So we can think that going into an emotion will feel really heavy, or I don't want to really feel that massive cry, or I don't want to get angry. And yet, actually, when we really meet ourselves and we allow ourselves to truly feel what we are feeling in that moment, to have the cry, to express the anger, to speak and share, whether it's just to ourselves or with someone else, it moves through the body as it's meant to. And we feel lighter as a result. Mm. you know and a byproduct for a majority of my clients is in a session where they actually feel fully acknowledge what's going on for them or what's happened to them in the past how they're feeling what the impact has been they feel lighter because in that session the emotion has moved through it's been witnessed it's been acknowledged and and that's that's what we missed out on a lot of us as kids and so we it's now as adults it's repatterning that for ourselves
0: yeah two of the things that that's kind of bringing up for me the first one is is um just around the it's almost like a um, needing to feel safe to be able to express emotions so um you know I, I think you know even in the past for myself I've always found it really difficult to cry not not to say that that's the only way to express emotions but um I've found it really hard to move through emotions and I'm just wondering like you know and maybe some other women resonate with that is what is the the fear behind that are we afraid to express emotions is it yeah, yeah What like what is that
1: yeah, look, so it's going to be different for individual each individual. But if I was to say, you know, on average, where maybe there is a fear to feel our emotion or to go there is one, we may not have had safe environments. And I'm going to go quote unquote safe as children to really feel and, and to be emotional. You know, and, and this doesn't necessarily look like very traumatic environments. Um, you know, I definitely grew up in one of those. So, you know, there for me, it was not necessarily sadness and tears, but anger. Anger was a very, I had a huge disconnect with the emotion of anger because I witnessed it and I was on the receiving end of it. So I I, I had a real fear around going into it myself. Um, so it can simply be be that you know, that maybe as a child, um, you you did get upset and cry. And despite the most loving intention of our parents, because again, you know, our parents do the best that they can. But there were a couple of significant moments where you really were upset, but it wasn't acknowledged or, you know, it wasn't in the context of that situation back then, a long time ago, there was something in which it was like, no, it's not okay to get upset. And maybe it was simply that a parent or a significant person got really angry when you got upset. And mm. and the perspective is, is that, therefore, it's not okay. Yeah, that actually...
0: Um... Yeah, it really, it, as a mother, I I sort of, that brings a lot of awareness to me around even when my own son, like he's a toddler. So obviously they have lots of big emotions and it just exactly. brings that awareness around, you know, making sure that he feels okay and comfortable and and is still loved through all of those emotions because I think it can be really easy as mothers when we are tired and we have our our own nervous system is dysregulated and we we don't feel grounded in ourselves that when our children then experience big emotions it can be really hard to sit through that when we like haven't yeah we don't feel regulated ourselves so I think yeah, yeah a big piece is also just, yeah, just on on a sidetrack as, as, as a parent is making sure that we have practices where we can ground ourselves and regulate our own emotions and regulate our own nervous system. Yeah, for sure.
1: Absolutely. Um, and you know, I touched on before around my relationship to anger, um, you know, it was really through my experience as a parent that, that really was brought to my awareness. Mm. Um, and I, I saw how uneasy I was around when my boys would play fight and when they were arguing. I literally would need it to stop. Before I had awareness around this, I I needed it to stop. So what that looked like is me telling them to stop. And, of course, just being boys, but I was like, no, this must stop. You're hurting each other. And so a practice that I worked with on a coach was actually her doing work with me in session but then in and around when those times, those, you know, play arguments would happen is having myself at, at a distance, a safe enough distance to it and basically like talking to myself around it was okay and breathing and and reminding myself that it was play and that they weren't going to really hurt each other. <laughs> and so I had to recondition my nervous system to the emotion of anger, because there was real fear that existed within me around anger. Mm. And so it was also about allowing myself to really express anger when I felt that. And so what we're talking around here is it's not quick fix work. Yeah. Um, but the first piece, if if people are thinking, oh, God, where do I start? The first piece is where we started, which is understanding That if we're trying to make well-being changes around our nutrition, what we are eating, our choices around food or exercise, that and we feel like we might not be, we're struggling to continue to make the quote unquote right choices, that there's probably some emotion work and some mindset work that could help to support that. And two, ultimately what we're doing through that process is bringing awareness to What is unconscious to us? So we are conscious to the behaviour, the situation and the behaviour, but what we're generally unconscious to is the emotion and the thoughts. And my work is about helping women, I guess, uncover, there's that word again, bring light to, you know, bring awareness to those two other components, the emotions we're feeling, what needs aren't being met, the thoughts that we're having, and and work with there, but we start with bringing awareness to it.
0: Yeah, I, even in the work that I did with you, that was a, a really key piece around, um, you know, you know, and for me, it was when I worked with you, it was around, um, you know, some business things and personal things, and it's having this, um, you know, these conscious you know, or these, even these intuitive nudges of wanting to do something or wanting to move my life in a certain direction or my business in a certain direction and feeling, you know, some of the things like procrastination come up and la- imposter syndrome and lack of confidence and all these things sort of come up. But what was underlying underneath that was these subconscious beliefs that were essentially stopping me from taking yeah. action on what I, what I knew I wanted to do, yeah. um, um, but all of this stuff just kept coming up about it and and just having that awareness has made such a difference because i can those those feelings can come up or that procrastination can come up or the imposter syndrome can come up and i can go yeah okay that's that's cool i know i know where that's come from yeah. and i can essentially ignore it like i, I acknowledge that it's there but yeah. i can still take action on what i really want to do because i know where that's actually come from
1: yeah yeah Perfect. Exactly. So when we have awareness around the thoughts, the mm. actual unconscious thoughts that are driving in an emotion, you know, which is ultimately driving the behavior that we're trying to change, we can work with it. Mm. We, can, we can utilize practices to move emotion through our body or, or, de- or develop approaches to be comfortable with those emotions because, again, often we're not comfortable with them as we touched on before. And then with the awareness and the thoughts that are driving it, we can actually look at those and go, okay, is there another way to look at the situation? Because those thoughts often are not necessarily accurate, but it's kind of, you know, limiting beliefs, you know, is something we talk about, you know, a a limiting thought. Um, But, again, unless we know what that is, we can't work with it so it's yeah. that awareness piece as yeah. well yeah
0: and then what do you think um uh or, yeah what are some of the i guess practices that we could do to move through emotions you release it from the body
1: yeah. Okay. So there's a couple of, um. there's a number of them. And so there's a term called somatic movement and we do this in the circles. You've done this with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's literally moving our body. And the best way that I love to do this is with music um, and, you know, utilizing movement and sorry, music and embodied movement. So what I mean by that is it's dancing, but essentially it's moving the areas of body where we sense those stiffness and those dense parts. So hips are a common area. So in the movement practice, when women are in a circle with me, we move our hips, we move the parts of the body that are feeling dense or stuck um, neck, shoulders, we open up the jaw. Um, singing is also a really powerful one. If we think it back to that throat part that often feels quite blocked for women, speaking to the emotion, saying it out loud, singing really loudly, and it can mm-hmm. be fun, dancing really fluidly and freely, uh, you know, a, a two really Literally practices anyone can do. Yeah. Um, and there's a two more I'll mention, which is going to be part of the self-day retreat, which you are a guest at speaking, So excited. <laughs> uh, and that is breath work mm-hmm. and sound healing. So mm-hmm. breath work, because we are breathing into the body and again breathing in and moving into the spaces where there is those emotions and denseness, and we've been very present with the body when we're in breath work so breath work is incredibly powerful um and l who is running the breath work for us at the self day uh, is a trauma-informed breath work instructor she's amazing the clients that i have that have done her work have literally said it's transformational
0: mm, yeah
1: um and then we have sound healing so sound is the use of vibration So we are a physical body, yes, but ultimately we are made up of cells Mm. and our emotions are in the cellular data in our body. So it is not uncommon for people to have sound healing and then feel completely elated um, afterwards, energised, Um, to sometimes emotion will actually come up. So emotion that they weren't necessarily present for rises within the body to be released. So I've seen and I've experienced myself where I come out of a sound healing or a breath work and I just cry. And it's in this really beautiful way and I I can sit through that and, and move it through my body. And so sound breath work movement All three of those are part of the Self Day Retreat because they're practices that I know are proven from my own personal journey and from the work that I have with clients. Um, And they are the somatic way we move with our emotions. Um, And so let's recap. We've got dance, movement, singing, speaking into the emotion, breath work and sound healing are all amazing tools we can use.
0: They're all so powerful. I have experienced, yeah, all, all of them actually except sound healing, which I'm really looking forward to experiencing. Yeah. But I I have found them so transformative, like just in releasing emotions, in just feeling so inclusive Incredibly different afterwards. I think I've cried through nearly every birth work session I've ever done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in again, in such a beautiful, like releasing way. Yeah, it's um, right. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It sure is. And I think as women, we really need to um we really need to nurture and nourish ourselves and utilize some of these practices to whether it's to regulate our nervous system, to work through emotions, to just to Reconnect to ourself. I think that's a really big one too. Um, before, like, I really want to chat to you about the self-day retreat because I'm so excited about this. And before we jump into that, one thing I wanted to chat to you about because you have a really beautiful gift of connecting women, connecting people together, building community. And I think this is something that's so needed. And I know it was something that I absolutely needed when I met you and something that I craved for a long time and felt like was missing in my life. Um, and when I came into your world and, and I saw that you did women's circles and I was like, this is something that I really want to do, but obviously that can feel a little bit, if you've never joined a women's circle with a, you know, a group of women that you've never met before, it can feel really, um, you know, what's the word like it's it's challenging like it's yeah, it's daunting you know, it's daunting yeah. to to step into that yeah. um and so making that decision to even join um you know, can be a challenge for many women. Mm-hmm. And I think also, you know it can bring up for a lot of women is just you know, it might be it might be things that have happened in our past or it might be some you know limiting beliefs we have around, you know, whether we belong in these groups and whether we want to, you know, connect, like whether we belong connecting with other women. Yeah. So I wanted to sort of chat to that because, I, uh, you know, for any woman out there who maybe wants to join a retreat or wants to join a women's circle and feels a little bit
1: mm. nervous
0: or daunted by the fact of doing it. Yeah. Can we talk about that and talk about sure. just, the, yeah, like the, because it's such a beautiful space and it's such yep. a nurturing and supportive and non-judgmental space. But yeah, I just want to talk to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was a little unconscious to this um, until uh, maybe only like six months ago that, yeah, there was almost a bit of a fear for women to step into an environment that was all women. So Mm. in a women's circle, it's all women. In a women's networking event, it's all women. And I I believe that that fear is is around the acceptance piece. And, you know, sadly, many, many, many of us have experienced either as teens or young girls, environments where we didn't fit, We, we felt like we didn't fit, we felt rejected, we felt like we weren't accepted for who we are. And so, there's a vulnerability around stepping into those environments that again we might be unconscious to um so let's just name it and own it i think this is really important to acknowledge that yes you might feel that and then secondly to that i really uh you know say to women to also trust in another part of your your information so that self-doubt, do I belong? How will I be treated? That's coming from our unconscious, which is coming from our thoughts. But there's also another part that's drawing you to that experience. And it's about listening to that and and almost going, okay, I'm going to trust in that this is feeling what I'm feeling drawn to this. And then this next piece is is it resonating? So I, I, you know, the current event that I'm running is the self day retreat. You know, if what you see me share about that event is really resonating and you find there's some excitement about the idea of learning what we're here to share or experiencing what we we're here to provide you is trusting in that and being drawn to it. And what I find uh, is that women who who come to my events, who've come to my women's circles are constantly amazed at just how welcoming and supportive it is and not not competitive. And I can say with conviction that that's because of what it's been built on. It's been built on my values and what I stand for. And what I stand for is women supporting women. And what I stand for is the power of women when that happens, and I, you know, I have very personal experience of how in my own very first retreat in 2017, months after being separated, I rocked up to a a retreat completely broken, and these women helped put me back together. And they helped me see who I was. And I left that retreat so invigorated of the possibility of what I could give and what I could contribute. And so I I just share that because this is what drives me to create these spaces because I know in the right environment and literally every single time I hold a circle, the women who end up coming, they're there to meet another woman for a very specific reason and I cannot predict that but I see it every single time that one woman will mirror to another woman exactly what they need to hear.
0: It's so interesting when that happens, like I would say every conversation I've had in the circles you've held, I was like, I was meant to have that conversation. I needed to chat. I needed to to speak with that woman for a reason. And it's always so healing. And so Mm -hmm. there's something so powerful about women gathering Mm -hmm. and women sitting in circle and I think if you haven't experienced that, like I, I would so encourage you to do so because it is it is just so powerful.
1: Yeah. And it's continually giving. Like, it, mm. you know, those impacts, it, it continually gives back and gives back even when you leave, right, because you're sitting here going and remembering mm. how impactful those conversations were and they were last year like that. Mm. They're not current, Yeah. Yes. And same, like the women that supported me in 2017, like they had a significant impact in my life and I attribute to parts of what I do today to them and what I experienced them. You know, lovingly, wholeheartedly, those women have helped create what I've gone on to create with her tribe, with women's circles, with my events. Um, and so tying this to the self day retreat, um you know, this is on mass, like ladies, <laughs> I, I, there's so many pieces I want to say, but I also want to keep some element of excitement because I love to do that. But essentially, you know, we've talked about the practices you're going to experience, you know, we've got yourself, Triss, and the amazing Nikki from Since Training, who m- mind-blowing, like this woman has had 30 to 40 industry, like Experience in the fitness industry and worked with so many women from the lens of fitness. Um, and the two of you, I know, you've got the most incredible um, talks to share around. You know the key: how to eat, how to train for you know this kind of midlife part of our life and, and yes. beyond. So we've got that. We've got you know my talk on overwhelm, which is you know the specialty of the work I I focus on. But then it's the experience that you're going to have meeting other like-minded women. And there's going to be many uh, circle experiences where um, you're going to have the experience that Tristan uh, and I are talking about here. Um, And yeah, I I literally would put money on it because it's happened in over 30 circles where each and every woman ends up meeting someone that they are absolutely divinely timed needing to meet and it might be a five-minute conversation but it's impactful in the best way
0: yeah amazing so tell us when is the retreat yeah um Where is it? And I will absolutely put links in the show notes for anyone that's listening um, directly to the Self Day Retreat information and where you can register, um, where you can purchase tickets. So, yeah, please do check out the show notes um, at the end of the episode as well.
1: Yeah, amazing. So it is called Self. So it is all about nurturing our self, mind, body and soul. We've talked about what's included. It is the 23rd of March, so Saturday, the 23rd of March, And it's a whole day, so 9 till 4. And, you know, this is really for any woman that's really resonating with what we're sharing today, but also a woman who's always wanted to go on a retreat, but a three-day retreat or a week-long retreat has just been unachievable due to either distance, travel, life. So it's in Eltham, in Melbourne, uh, local, which is amazing, so not hard to get to, and a whole day of activities between 9 and 4, Uh, The sound healing, the breath work, the yin yoga, our amazing guest speaker talks, and of course, lots of opportunities to connect with women in the most beautiful way. And of course, a gorgeous lunch to top it all off.
0: I'm so excited cannot wait. Yeah. <laughs> um do you know I know I know we've we've talked about so many things um today and one thing that I think um you know when I think about the self-day retreat I think it's just so nurturing for the feminine like our you know our feminine energy which a lot of women perhaps you know forget about or don't don't nurture and I wanted to just sort of just lastly talk to talk about um I guess talk about feminine energy because something that I notice is with women that I work with, you know, whether it's that they've got hormone imbalances, fertility challenges, PCOS, and I know this was part of my own personal experience as well, is um, having this disconnect. I think it's a disconnect from self and a disconnect from our body, but it's also a disconnect from our feminine energy. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe, yeah, yeah. Your thoughts yeah, on that. For
1: sure. Um, and I, I love how you've said that. You know that we can have a disconnection to self, and and ultimately that is an, a premise behind the self day retreat. Because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, when we can have greater awareness around ourselves, greater connection to ourselves, we can make better choices. So, yeah. um, that's a beautiful tie in there. In a nutshell, we are all have we all have our masculine and our feminine. And there are attributes that we uh, see as masculine attributes and there's attributes that we see as feminine. And and there's, you know, two lists that I could literally show you right now. But our masculine tends to be very doing versus the feminine being. Our masculine is penetrative or directive, whereas our feminine is in receivership. Uh, Our masculine can be very, very purpose-focused whereas the feminine is connection-focused. So we have, and there's multiple lists, I will say the feminine is also highly emotional and can be deemed as irrational. So if we think about in our current society, what do we actually celebrate? If we look at the model of the world, let's look at what's celebrated. What's celebrated is performance, achievement, purpose, getting shit done. yeah. And the reality is motherhood in our current society is based on that as well. It's all around how much can we get done, the fact that we have to constantly be getting stuff done around the home mm. and the nurturing aspect of motherhood absolutely is still there, but it's almost like the priority around get just getting our life moving and, you know, in the doing mode is just we we just are operating in that more so Mm. so from the perspective of feminine and masculine for women we are it's not necessarily a disconnect from the feminine it can be that but it's just a matter that society really promotes us to operate in the masculine and so or a lot of our day, a lot of our life, we're operating in the masculine. And this really depletes our energy. It leads to more stress because we are less balanced or or tapping into what we actually need, which is more of the feminine because most women are more feminine dominant. And so, you know, we, we are less in being, we are less in receiving we are less in our creativity we are less in our uh emotion and so there's a simple way of just understanding that they're the two understanding that life often requires us to more operate in the masculine and and so what we can do is just look at it, almost like a pivotal you know shift of what can i do in my day or my week to engage more in my feminine where can mm. I create spaces to just be? To walk in nature, to take time out and have my cup of tea or coffee without juggling work or kids at the same time. Listening to music, being creative, dancing, all of those things help us drop back into the, to the feminine. Literally everything that we do in a in a woman's circle is all about the feminine. <laughs> like I For realized, sure. I realized uh that. Women would walk in and I literally saw shoulders up, stress, and I envisioned them putting their masculine bags down, Mm. coming into that space and just playing in all the elements of the feminine. And so even if a woman didn't really feel like talking much that particular circle, she would walk out lighter, freer, more peaceful, just more at ease and you would see her just, almost like so much more comfortable in her body because we just had tapped into so many different elements of the feminine and self day is another example of that, the self retreat. Yeah. Day.
0: Yeah. So definitely if you need to nurture your feminine, which we all do, yeah. we absolutely all do. And we need that reminder. Yeah. It would be so beautiful to see you along at self day retreat for sure. Yeah,
1: totally.
0: <laughs> it's definitely the right place. Um. Anything else you want to share with us, Mira? Like this has been such a beautiful conversation. I know it's going to be so helpful for so many women. Um, I've learned a lot in this conversation. And yeah, anything else you want to share with us and finish off with?
1: Um, yeah, look, I, I think I don't know if I've done this before, but I would really love, you know, if there's any listeners that have you know, if something's landed from this conversation and you've got questions, you know, slide into my DM or Triss's, like ask us, and you know, we could even like respond to questions in a follow-up episode, which I think would mm. be pretty cool. Pretty cool yeah. Um, because we have covered a lot of things here. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say is is if you've noticed these patterns of behavior that you constantly have spent maybe years trying to change then maybe there's something in this to look at not necessarily that there's something wrong that you just can't change the behaviour but that there could be some other mindset pieces going on Um, and that is absolutely my jam. I love to help women, you know, feel so much more empowered when we understand and we can uncover and we can really um, bring awareness to things that we can work with that then help a woman to actually create change and, and to live her life by design. So I would love to connect with anyone that that's resonating with and, um you know, see how we could work together.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And um, where can we find
1: you, Mira? Uh, best place is probably Instagram, Mira, M-I-R-A dot, claudia.au. And yes, my surname is Claudia and my first name is Mira. <laughs> because we get
0: that uh, I, I, yeah, I understand you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So um, Instagram, do you have a website as well or do you?
1: Yeah, do you, absolutely. Yeah. It's um, miraclaudia.com. Uh, getting a little facelift at the moment. So um, awesome. jumping into that straight away, it'll look a little bit um, like it's, in, in the, in the state of new newness, but it'll be ready in a couple of weeks.
0: Amazing. Well, I will put all of those links in the show note, including to the self day retreat so people can find you as well.
1: Yeah. Great.
0: Oh, thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you. I yeah, love this conversation. Thanks for joining us on the empowered flow podcast. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I'd love you to share it with a friend and take a moment to rate review and subscribe. Your support means the world and fuels our mission to empower women everywhere. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at Tris Alexandra Nutrition. Sending big love. I'll catch you in the next episode.